Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Around Leeds, there are rumours of a list that exists deep in one of Victor Orta's many notebooks. On that list, there are a large number of players broken down per position on the football pitch, all of whom are potential replacements who can be brought in at Leeds United should the need arise. Hello and welcome to Orta's List, a new series on All Stats, Aren't We?, which is dedicated to scouting footballers around the world in a bid to create our own version of Victor Orta's List. I'm John McKenzie and I'll be joined throughout the series by All Stats, Aren't We?'s very own Josh Hobbs and scouted football and Leeds Live's own, but also a very a little bit our very own to Joe Donahue. Joe, how you doing, mate? You're on mute. <laughs> My, I was on mute, so that's a very good start. Um, we'll just put that down as the dress rehearsal. Um, that's yeah, such I'm, a I'm, smooth, smooth start <laughs> to the show. I'm very good, John. Thank you very much. How are you? How are you both? Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm good. Um, I'm glad it's it's taken us five episodes and we're still messing things up. So, um, you know, no professionalism from us. But I'm doing well. Josh, how are you doing? Yeah, good, mate. Thank you. This is my first time on here, and I've actually had a haircut, so I I, I can't get mocked for for my hats this week. Yeah, and this week we are doing everything very uh, simple, which is uh, just a Q&A. We're going to talk about a few players who've been thrown up by the rumour mills recently, um, a few exciting players, which is nice. It's nice to have some fun players to have a look at. And then we're going to go through some of the questions that you guys have sent through. We had lots of questions, so thanks very much for that. Uh, and it's been great to have you guys engaging with us throughout the, the whole uh, of this series. So thank you for that. But hopefully we can uh, get to your questions in due course. I think the best thing for us to do probably is to start off by talking a little bit about what it was that we did this series. So uh, we we scouted four positions, came up with four players and then uh, bought them on Five Yards, which is a scouting uh, platform. This is our squad on Five Yards. So as you can see, we bought Ryan Kent, uh, Bubakari Sumare, Romain Perrault and uh, Emi Buendia. And you can see already that we're starting to reap the rewards of those, of those players. Um, yeah, if you are interested in five yards, do head over to check them out. But I think what we'll do first is we'll jump in and talk about the three players, I think, uh, who we've been linked with recently. So those three players are, um, let me just pull them up, Talia Fico. His first name is what, Nicola? Right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll go with Noah Long first. Uh, and then the first mention in this podcast of... Creature Gvarachelia. How was that for a I thought that I thought that was Not decent, bad. mate. 
Yeah, I yeah. think for a first I goal. They doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So who do you, who should we kick off with first? Um, should we let should we get Nicola Taliafico out of the way? Um, Josh, I know you watched the Eredivisie quite a lot. So what are your thoughts on on Nico Taliafico as a potential left back replacement for Gianni Alioski? Yeah, it's an interesting one, this one, because I mean I I don't think he's been linked to us by uh a, I haven't heard him through any sort of particularly reliable names, so it, it might not be one to go too uh deep down the rabbit hole on, but um I like him. I think he's he's a he's a really good player. I think in terms of a lot of what we talked about um, in our left backs episode, where we wanted someone that had the technical ability to be um, coping well in our build up uh, and playing through pressure. Uh, I think playing at Ajax, like that's he, he's used to um, build up. Maybe they don't get really really pressed um, in the Eredivisie because they're they're a dominant team. Um, but he's certainly a very technical player. He's progressive. I like his passing from deep. Um, is very good. He makes lots of runs forward, gets into the box. Um, and I think, yeah, they, I think he's basically an upgrade uh, on Alioski in pretty much every way. Maybe not the same um, engine on him uh, as Alioski, but I, I think... Probably not many players have have got that. Um, he's he's certainly not going to be as uh, buzzy is is the word I'm going to use for Alioski. Frenetic, um, yeah, <laughs> frenetic is probably probably the better the be- the better one. But at the same time, I'm not going to expect uh, Taliafico to be sort of just panicking and blasting the ball anywhere or randomly kicking it off for a corner when there's there's no reason to do that um but yeah in the defensive phase I don't think he's going to bring the same intensity um my issue with him uh, is that he's 28 and I think all pretty much every player that we have had on on our list uh, has been pre-peak uh, and I think just doesn't make sense to me for us to sign a 28 year old when we have a squad full of 28 29 30 year olds uh, I, I would want a 23 year old I think hmm. yeah it's been a long time since Nico Taliafico appeared on the pages of scouted football handbooks <laughs> uh, Joe so what do you make of Taliafico no doubt you've you've caught him he's been playing European football quite a bit recently so what do you what do you make of him as a potential option I mean, I think he is a potential option. I think the the, the links have been borne out of the fact that, that Mark Overmars, who's the sporting director at Ajax, I think he's been pretty open in saying that um, that, that Tagliafico is, is 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 angling for a move. Um, that he is, I think there's there's been some sort of agreement that he could he could leave. Um, and I think the natural sort of uh, your mind then goes to okay, which teams need a left back who he'd be a good fit for? And Leeds comes up at the top of the list. Um, which is probably where those links have come from, rather than as Josh was saying, sort of no, you, no reputable sources have, have sort of been linking him very heavily. Um, I mean, we know how Victor Order operates. Sometimes, you know, it's uh, with moves like Robin Cock, it's it's very um, very diligent and very very planned out. 
Um, but then there are other ones like Rafinha where he became available at the the eleventh hour and um, they, they moved for him. So who knows? It it might be it might be one of those that we we see over the course of the summer. But I think stylistically, uh, I think he's. He'd be a good fit. I think his intensity, while not frenetic, I think is quite good. I was quite impressed with his pressing. I always have been, and you kind of have to be to play in an Ajax team. Um, you know, he's a, he's a constant threat to attackers when they've got when they're on the ball, but also when they've got the backs to goal, um, which I think is something which is always going to be quite important when when you're going to be doing a lot of defending, um, especially in the Premier League. Um, and I was quite interested to see this is this is in no way analytical. This was just an, an observation of mine, uh, and it's based on um, it was well, from fbref.com, which is a fantastic resource. I'm sure you both know, but um, I was interested to see that in the similar players section to Taliafico, uh, Joel Veltman, who's obviously his former teammate at Ajax, was the most similar to Taliafico, um, based on 800 or 900 or so minutes in the Champions League, uh, and then second was Luke Ayling. Um, and third was Dan Byrne, WWE's very own Dan Byrne, um, <laughs> who we're all no doubt very fond of. Uh, and then Alioski himself was seventh. Um, so it was quite quite an interesting list. I was like, oh, okay. I, I hadn't sort of made the the the, the comparison between Ailing and Taliafico before, but um, I can see what, where it's coming from in terms of the numbers. But yeah, he's just a very he's a very combative, energetic um, defender who perhaps picks his moments a little bit more. Uh, than, than Alioski. So, yeah, I could see it being a good stylistic fit. Do I think it'll happen? Probably not, um, mainly because, as Josh said, the, the age range and and um, sort of maybe learning a few lessons from from the Rodrigo move. Mm. Do So, in, in terms of the, the age, do we think that Leeds will seriously be considering players in that sort of age, age range? Um, I think you can't, you can never rule out players that are going to be a perfect fit for this team. You know, if 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 the, the recruitment staff identify somebody who is absolutely, you know, this is this is somebody who's going to massively boost our, you know, our chances of finishing higher in the league, then I think it would be foolish to ignore them based on their age. Um, but I mean, there was um, there was something that you you guys shared that this um, was it today or was it yesterday? It was sort of a, a, a break an age breakdown of the lead squad. And it's kind of like a, a like steps leading off to a jumping off point um, where you've kind of got minutes which are covered, um, which have been played by up and coming players, those sort of approaching the peak, those in their peak. And as Josh was saying just before, the vast majority of the minutes that have been played by Leeds players this season are those who are in their peak age. So around the 27 to 30 um, point. So it would be, it would be frugal to 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 well no, frugal is probably the wrong word. It would be sensible to to recruit on the the more up and coming side um, because then you get a few years to bed them in and then they can sort of replace the players who are then to, who are twenty nine thirty now who can then um, who who are sort of coming to the end of their shelf life at, at Premier League level. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'd be a bit worried that if we signed him. We might be thinking in two years' time we need a left back again, because um, we know that with um, age age curves, players can sort of suddenly drop off after a certain point. Um, I mean that doesn't happen really often. Obviously, we've got older players in the team and they're they're doing really well in the Premier League, but. Um, I just don't want us to be in two years' time wanting another left back. I'd like in two years' time to think, right, we've we've basically got this squad as we need and we're just going through a little bit of 
yearly churn instead of oh we need a long-term player again i'm just thinking of some of the players that we brought in so we obviously brought in rodrigo who who turned 30 recently and diego urente i think is is he 27 mm-hmm. um, so he's that sort of end of the spectrum in terms of in terms of age so i don't think that the the club would necessarily not be considering players because of age um but I do agree with you, Josh, in so far as I've, I've, I have a little bit of a worry that we are bringing in a lot of players within the same sort of age bracket. Uh, and we already have a lot of players who are towards the end of that, of that, you know, 27 to 30 bracket. Um, so we've got players like Luke Ayling, Liam Cooper. Um, I mean, Liam Cooper's obviously over 30, but you've got players like Stuart Dallas as well. And the worrying thing is, is that a lot of those players are quite important for us. Um, and you don't want to just get to a point where in... You know, as you said, two years time. It's not just simply having a left back who we need to replace. It's having you know four or five players in the team who are within that range that you talked about, where they could potentially start dropping off physically. Um, so yeah, I think as part of like a squad churn thing, you need to just have a, a a view to keeping an eye on the the sort of ages that you have, and you don't want to load too many people within that same bracket, um, so that you don't have to do a huge a huge sort of bit of surgery in one summer in, in a couple of seasons time. Um, but let's move on and talk a, a little bit about some of the other players. So we'll start off with um, Guevara Schelia. I've, uh, I'm going to sl- slowly reduce his name down until I'm saying KK, but um, <laughs> we, had, we had a question from Jackie Buckets. He said, we'd be interested to hear your thoughts on the Georgian winger. So there we go. <laughs> and, um, it's, it's begun. Um, also, if there are any other positions you can see as potentially adding to, and says, please tell me I'm not crazy thinking we we should go for Cade Cowell from San Jose. Um, so yeah, we'll start with you on this, Joe. Have you had the chance to watch much of uh, the Georgian winger? The Georgian winger. Can we call him the Georgian Alan St. Maximan just for, <laughs> for for purposes of ease? No, I think uh, yeah, Kvitsa Kvaratskhelia. I think uh, as I have also been practicing. I was. I haven't, I haven't spent the afternoon sort of on Forvo with the pronunciation um, to not say it at least once on on the live stream. But um, I, the thing that always stri- that struck me about him was that he just seems to go the long way around every time. You know, he's he's very much a I'm going to do it myself type of player, um, which I think is. I mean, it's admirable because he's got a lot of confidence for his age. He's around twenty twenty one. Um, the the only thing that I that I could I mean. He, he's got a good strike on him. He can take a he can take a good kick in, which he's had to do quite often this season. Um, but is he going to have the opportunity to 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 you know just room past players multiple times a game um, in the same way that that Saint Maximin does at Newcastle? Because you know obviously their default setting is um, ten behind the ball, so that obviously gives you a lot more room to to burst into. Um, I mean, I, I liked what I saw. I, th- I, I can I can see why a club who play very much in transition football would be interested in a player who is who appears to be you know very 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 good at dribbling, very good at beating players, very good at you know changing that that that, that turn of pace, just turning on the the, the dynamism uh, in a in a split second, um, and just constantly having that that head up direct running style. Um, I can see why the, the the club will be will be interested in that if if the interest is genuine. Um, I mean, would it? Do, the thing that I thought as well was, obviously, he's he's a Georgian winger who's who's twenty twenty one years old playing in Russia. Um, you can you can pretty much put every single Leeds player in this squad into one of three sort of linguistic categories, um, which is either Spanish, 
Portuguese or English or English as a second language um, because you've got, you know, Casilla, Llorente, Pablo, Rodrigo, who can all speak Spanish, you know, Rafinha, Costa, Rodrigo can all speak Portuguese. Uh, and then you've got the, obviously the bulk of the, the players who came up from the championship um, who, who obviously predominantly British speaking, uh, English speaking, British based players. Uh, and then you've got the outliers sort of like Robin Cock, who's German, but can speak English as showed on the, um, the, the Leeds United pod. Uh, Alioski is multilingual. Um, Strauch can speak English. Berardi can speak English. Um, Click can speak English and, and Melier as well. Aside from that, I, uh, that that's the only the only issue that that I would have with sort of bringing a player who perhaps would would struggle a little bit to 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 comprehend the the very pre- precise and specific footballing ideas and concepts that Marcelo Bielsa would want. I mean, you know, that's what he was saying um, the other week, wasn't it? Where he was saying, you know, this is why I don't. I, I mean, sorry to everybody who has to listen to me speaking Spanish, but it would it it would dilute the the meaning of of what I'm trying to say if I tried to to say it in broken English. So that is something which was kind of just going off in my brain as I was watching him just dribble past player after player, um, because that did get quite repetitive and it is quite entertaining. But um, yeah, I, I was wondering what your thoughts would be on that because I didn't I didn't raise it beforehand. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's hard enough to say his name, isn't it? Um... <laughs> I guess it wouldn't take too long to learn how to say stop dribbling in, in, in Russian <laughs> um, as well. But yeah, that, that's a, it's an interesting one. Um, it's It seems to me that it's it's just a really sort of high risk transfer in a lot of ways, uh, bringing a player like that. It's, it's risky enough, I think, to bring players across from Russia, which is why we haven't seen huge amounts of Russian players being brought over. And I don't really know the ins and outs of, of, of Russian transfers. I do know that um, Russian nationals have a premium put on them because they are um, because they have this this uh, a sort of quota limit for Russian players in the Russian Premier League. And so uh, good Russian players can have a premium put on them. I don't know whether or not um, Gvarat Skelia would have that necessarily um, because he's he's Georgian, but I don't really understand how the the sort of former Soviet states fit into into the Russian Premier League. So I was I was kind of interested in that aspect of it as well. Um, that that this is not a, a a regularly trod pathway for players to come into. And whenever I've spoken to scouts, they've always said, "Oh, we're always a little bit iffy on bringing players over from from Russia because uh, there's so much that that can go wrong with these." In the same way that I think when you talk about talk to scouts about bringing players over from South America as well. There's always that sort of hesitancy being like, well, we like them to make the step by going to a maybe a different league first and seeing if they can make that step up. So um, I think I think it's well worth maybe trying for it. Um, I think that's what we did with with Rafinha. I think part of the reason we got Rafinha was because we were happy to just jump in last minute and, and go through the effort of just bringing him in, which is what I think a lot of elite clubs probably wouldn't want to do. Um, so I guess if you do that and it works out, you risk losing them quickly, but you get them for a season if it works out. And and if not, I guess if you don't get it for too expensive a, a transfer fee, then it's not not the worst thing. But uh, I'm by no means uh, an expert on the ins and outs of recruitment in clubs. So that is very much Josh. So I'll, I'll hand over to you, Josh. What's your thoughts <laughs> on this? <laughs> don't know if I'd don't know if I'd say expert by any means, but yeah, I think I think that's a really valid point that the whole um the whole uh language thing. Uh, I think you did forget the um the French speaking crew of Patrick Bamford. Um, 
No, of um, course, but yeah. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> the worrying thing is that the person who probably can speak Georgian or the most closest cognate to Georgian is probably Janny Alioski, and he probably will be around. But also, imagine if right. he was the only point of contact here. <laughs> Poor lad. <laughs> You'd have no idea what was going on, would you? <laughs> Poor lad. But yeah, I, I think um, in terms of him actually as a player, I think he would definitely offer something that I don't think we've really got. Um, it's interesting uh, that, yeah, in terms of the profile that we we spoke about in the last episode, um, right-footed, left-winger, he, he ticks that box. But maybe um, he's not so much of um, that sort of inside forward that we were maybe talking about. Although he, it's not to say that he can't come inside and... He obviously does with his right foot and looks to score uh, cutting in like that. But I, I, in what I watched, I thought he wanted to go outside a lot, um, almost like he would carry the ball with his right foot, show it a bit to the fullback, and then just burst down the line, um, which I thought was quite interesting because then once he gets down to the byline, it's like he wants to open up and pass it back with his right foot into the centre of the box, which I think you're sort of asking to lose the ball in doing that because in turn, in that motion of turning, you can be, you can be tackled. Um, he is, he's very sharp in his turns. And um, I think that that helps and he's still able to do that a lot. But I felt like once he got to the byline, I just thought, cut it back like with your just play across with your left back across there but um yeah he's he's a really exciting dribbler and as john said in our chat um before this it is a bit like bale in the way that he was sort of square someone up and then just burst away um a bit like that that sort of classic goal from the um from the copa del rey final where he just <laughs> basically wants to burn someone down down the outside and He's got he's got that sort of tall, wiry frame. He hasn't got that the power that that Bale grew to have, but he he may still have that when he's he's only twenty one or or whatever his age is. But he 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 has real running running power, if not upper body power. So I think that would be exciting because I think Harrison he ta- he can take players on, uh, and and I think he's quite good at. If he gets crowded, he can sort of quickly shift his feet and go through two players. But I don't think you'll often see Harrison around halfway burn it all the way down to the byline. So that would be something completely different. But it's, I just found it interesting that he, he was sort of half the profile that, that we were looking at last time, but then almost like a hybrid, like he's a classic winger, but he's right-footed playing on the left. Just that that stood out to me. Yeah, I mentioned that maybe there's there's certain similarities, at least in terms of play style to to Rafinha, perhaps, in that he does seem to be a player who likes to be quite direct. Um and 
we don't really have that on the other side with Harrison, right? Harrison is more of a player, I think, who likes to hold the ball up, try and get himself isolated to players and then and then go around them. Whereas this is very much like first touch is always going to be positive, always trying to get into dangerous spaces, always yeah. trying to beat players just through just through speed. And I, I think our friend Ethan was talking about his dribbling ability and how he's got good feet. And I agree with that. I do think he's a good technical dribbler, but I think instinctively he just wants to be that that direct kind of player who is he's going to move the ball quickly first and then think about what he's going to do with it rather than someone like Harrison I think it's maybe the other way around who will, who will slow it down and try and think about where he's going to go next so um, I wondered if either of you had any quick thoughts on that um, mm-hmm. aspect of him whether or not he's maybe a little bit too similar in profile um, at, at least in terms of game sense to, to someone like Rafinha. Joe, what do you what do you make of that? Do you think there'll be two would it would it be a problem having two similar wingers, or do you think that's potentially the way that we're going to go next season with two really direct players so that you can get all of your ball progression in in, in the channels um down the line? We've seen that quite a bit this season rather than maybe a little bit more patient build up play that we've seen in previous seasons. I think there are benefits to that. I think there are benefits to having balance in terms of on either flank, in terms of having a, a two players who are stylistically very similar. Um, I do just I do worry that if you do have two players who are very similar in that in that regard, um, when you don't really have, uh, I mean, you, you essentially wouldn't have a plan B in that sense, would you? You know, you wouldn't be able to swap wings as we've seen on on rare occasions, um, which Bielsa has done with with Harrison and Rafinha um, with varying success. Um, I, I, I think one of the one of the things which I was I wasn't sold on with Kvaratskhelia is that he the the when when I was watching his games there just didn't seem to be a great deal of defensive work like uh, he seemed to be not not selfish in terms of you know the the whenever the ball came to him it was just direct running but it was more the fact that. I thought, you know, a lot of the work that Harrison does, and that's one of the things we said on the previous episode that flies under the radar is that he does a lot of the defensive work. He supports Alioski a lot. You know, he got pelters, I think, for um, when, who was it, scored for Liverpool? Was it Mane? When Trent Alexander-Arnold went round the outside um, because Alioski had moved into the middle because he was picking up Klicksman or or whoever it was. Um, But Harrison was all the way around on that side. And yeah, he was probably a yard off, but he was all the way back in in the penalty area, in in Leeds' own penalty area. I'm not so sure you'd get that with Kvaratskhelia from the admittedly few clips I've seen of him, few matches I've seen of him. But um, I think, I I hate using the term, but I think he'd probably be a bit of a luxury player more than anything because, you know, yeah, you can have that balance, but... Is there any use in having the balance when it when when you essentially leave one side of your 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 entire team sort of open to to having to be defended by one player? And the likelihood is that one player who's going to be on that left hand side at left back is going to be a new face anyway, so is going to need to be walked through games to to begin with. So yeah, it's it'll be an interesting one to see what happens because you know changing an entire flank will be. Um, yeah, it will be it'll be a task to it'll be there'll be I think there will be teething problems and we have to expect that. And I'm not entirely sold on Kafarachalia being that player necessarily. Uh, well, let's talk a, a little bit about about Noah Long as well because um, he's the one that I think we're all quite excited about. Um, he will, I think, be appearing on Scouted Football. Is, it, is he in the next handbook? Is that right? That's all. I think he teaser. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Teaser. Little, little teaser. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so that's something to look forward to. Not supposed the, um, to reveal the secrets. State secrets, <laughs> you know. Hey, it was on Twitter. It's transparency. That's what we're all about. Listen to me. 
but yeah, a really exciting player. A lot of people will have seen him playing in the Euro, under 21s Euros. Um, he had, a, I think, a pretty good, um, I guess it's the qualification stage of, of that competition. I, th- he th- I thought he looked really, really good. That was the first time I'd, I'd really sat down and watched him quite a bit. And um, I saw a lot there to like. Um, Josh, again, this is a, a, another Dutch player, but um, he's playing in the Upala League at the moment for Club Brugge. Um, what, what have you made of Noah Lang so far? Yeah, um, this would this would be really exciting if this um, if this comes to pass. Uh, I, I think he's great. He is very different, I think, to um, some of these other players. Again, he's he's a right footer who can play on the left, but I think he is he's a bit of a, like a multifunctional forward. Um, so I think he he. I don't know that he would really fit in the attacking midfield role in our particular setup, not at this stage in, in his career, but I think he could actually play on the left, he could play on the right, and he could even play up front. Um, he would be a very different style to Bamford, but I think if if he were to play up front, uh, he might play that role a little bit more like how Kamar Roof uh, played played that role in Bielsa's first season where it was it's just all about basically darting runs just dragging defenders around and that's sort of how I would um describe his game anyway that it's all just about sharp movements and he's he's always looking to find space in the box so if he comes out of the box um to receive the ball in a wide area whereas someone like Ryan Kent who I talked about effusively in in the last episode he wants to dribble at players take them on get towards the goal basically directly uh Noah Lang is more like he's gonna play the ball quickly to a teammate and then make another run and then he's gonna receive it and he's gonna make another run and he's just all about quick combinations quick movements and if he's going to beat a player, it's because he's creating space to either play that pass or he thinks he can he can shoot. Um, but it's not to say that he can't dribble because he's got he's got really great technical ability. He's really agile, and he scored a really nice goal um, against um, man. Why have I just suddenly forgotten like one of the most famous teams in in Belgium? I'm the like. That's it, Anderlecht. It, they went straight, straight out, straight out of my the rest head. Of us. You remember Gallia, though, didn't you? I never said. I never said his name. I, <laughs> <laughs> I even was a bit tentative saying uh, Noah Lang there, and I've now I've said like Lang, Noah Lang. But um, when yeah, he he scored a really nice individual goal uh, against Anderlecht, beating two players and then shooting into the corner. So he's got that. Um, ability. I think he maybe lacks a little bit of uh, explosiveness in his like first step. So I don't think he can necessarily like beat players from a standing start in the same way. I think he can um, he can sort of be knocked off the ball a bit easier than uh, some of these other players that I think have got a bit more about them. Uh, like a lower center of gravity. Well, he's got a low center of gravity, but it's like he can just, 
I think he's maybe not quite got the bulk so he can get knocked off it. Um, but I think he's probably the most intelligent player out of any of these. Um, he can see a pass, but more than anything, he just knows where to be in the box to find space to either get an assist or or score himself. I think he scored 14 goals um, this season, which... That's super impressive. Um, and yeah, I, I was saying earlier that I think there's a little bit of this. Maybe you guys might think I'm stretching this, but I think there's a little bit of Thomas Muller in the sense of just being able to find space in the box, but not as a striker, just as a supporting player, find space in the box and score regularly. So I think that would be a, a player profile type that's just completely missing from our squad and he would get plenty of game time on on either wing or as a striker so uh, yeah I would love it if this happened yeah and uh, I think it was you Josh who mentioned that that you think that that no long has the the highest ceiling of these three players um, yeah I think so yeah obviously Talifico has probably hit his ceiling but um, I think I meant more between um yeah, like sure. Kent um right yeah, yeah. So Ryan Kent and um, the the Georgian winger and Kvaratskhelia. Kvaratskhelia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think you pretty much nailed it there. Um, <laughs> Joe, I'll go to you in terms of in terms of the exciting aspect of of Noah Long being that that you know there is a lot of scope for him to improve. How do you view this this transfer in in that light in, in terms of? You know, this is someone who, yes, will raise the the floor of the squad at first, but he could very much push the ceiling of this squad as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with both things that you just said there. Um, but I think the most exciting part of of Norlong and potentially being a player on on the radar is that um, he he's a former teammate of Pascal Strokes. So you know, they see those two create a little a little bromance. So I think they played seven games together uh, at under nineteen level some years ago. So yeah, there's um. They, they go way back, but yeah, they, uh, the, the, it's interesting that you you compared him to Thomas Muller, uh, Josh, because I was thinking he was very Dutch in the way that he's similar to what Donny van der Beek was like at Ajax in that, you know, he, he might not spend a great deal of time on the ball in the game, but it's rather that movement. You can just coast into the box somewhere sort of unnoticed. Um, and, and from there, you know, he can, he, he's very, I think he's a very confident finisher. Um, you know, he doesn't need a lot of time to pick his pick his spot, pick his shot. He'll 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 fire one off, um, and and that's kind of contributed to to the fact that he scored so many goals this season is because he does take so many shots, um, which I think you know speaks to to his confidence in in front of goal. Um, he, he's not yeah, he's not a hesitant player. You know, he's very much he, he knows what he's doing. But I, I like the Muller comparison in the sense that he does sort of in in the in the the translated version of Raumdeuter, the space investigator. He is essentially, that's what he is. He operates in the half spaces. Um, he's, you know, uh, we, we'll see him described as a winger, but he's not. He's a wide forward. So sort of if you get in, you know, into the specifics, you know, because he can play anywhere across the front. And I was making this point yesterday um, that, you know, the the club, you have to be intelligent with your recruitment because, you know, the, 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 the magic money um, broadcast TV revenue tree um, it, it will it will not keep rolling like this forever. So you kind of have to be smart with your investments. Um, and 
football players will I think it'll be very doubtful that we'll see football players going for this the likes of money that um that Neymar and Mbappe went for a few years ago uh, anytime soon so we, you have to be smart and you don't want to be dropping 30 40 million on on players who aren't going to be suited to the system I think with with Lang he's somebody who is going to be versatile he could probably deputize as Josh was saying, it at centre forward, if you know, God forbid, Patrick Bamford got a, a serious injury, um, he could also play. I mean, he predominantly plays on the left as a sort of a, a left forward. But I really like the way that he receives between lines. He receives with his back to goal, which I think we very rarely see Jack Harrison do. Um, I think he's. He, he, I'm tempted to say that sort of an, an an innate understanding of he has of where and when to pass between the between lines you'll always see him sort of flicking through sort of little reverse passes um which he's done consistently th- at every level which is always quite encouraging um because you know obviously if you you go up from the the under 17 under 19 era divisies to to playing for young ajax in the Erste divisie then the era divisie which didn't really get loads of minutes in but the upla league as you said john he's 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 risen to the challenge every, at every point um and while I described Quadraccelia uh, as as a as a luxury player, I'd say that Long is probably a, a high risk player. He will give the ball up a lot. His first touch isn't always great, but he's probably going to be a lot more creative. Um, for in 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 the sense that he he's, he's going to be he he has the capability to create for himself and for others, which I think is probably something that you wouldn't get with Quadraccelia. Mm, I, I felt like um, he he's a lot less. Um, a lot less of a transitional player. Yeah, like yeah. it's not not that he doesn't have skills in transitional play because he because I think he does. He's got he's got decent speed, and he and as I said, he can take people on. But I think Farage Belia is much more like if we were countering, you would want him on the ball because pace and beating people down the line. And whereas I think Lang would be more. If we were playing against a team maybe defending a bit deeper and we just needed to get keep the ball moving and players moving to create space, he's the ideal player at that point. A Brighton, for example. Yeah, exactly. A Brighton, a Wolves. Those teams that we struggled to get through, he's the type of player that I want in there because he's, he's going to pop up somewhere that none of our other players are going to. It's the combinations for me. It's always been the combinations that he'll he'll sit between the lines, and it makes it makes that that team make a decision. Are you going to press? Are you going to press up with one of your centre halves and to try and nick the ball off his toe when when you know that that pass is going to come into him? Um, but then obviously leave the gap in behind for somebody like Bamford, um, or potentially a Rafinha to to, to flip in. Um, it's it's the combination play, you know how he's very he's very comfortable with with being a, a, the receipt uh, in receipt of wall passes. You know he will knock it around the corner a little bit. I, I think that's something that we don't really have at the moment, um, mainly because as you say that the games have been very transitional. But when you come up against a team who are well drilled in defence, who can quite comfortably sit into a, a compact seven, which Brighton and Wolves probably do quite well um, if, as soon as they take the lead, then. Um, yeah, I think Long's probably the the, the player that I'd, that I'd take in there. But, you know, the, the the fact that he's not a transitional player probably comes from the fact that he's never had to play in a team which has been overly transitional because, you know, you've come through. Yeah. I, obviously, you're playing in the best academy in, in the Netherlands and then your first real taste of professional football at 
a regular level is um, is it with Club Brugge, who are at the moment undoubtedly the best team in Belgium. So, yeah, it's um, that, that's a very good point actually that um, that Thomas has made there. That yeah, the the vast majority of the goals come from within the width of the goalposts. That tells you one thing and one thing only: he's constantly getting in good areas. And if Harrison's not in those areas, then you know there's there's a reason to say that there's you know there's competition for his place. Yeah, one more thing I would just say on on Lung is that he's another player who I feel comfortable being able to hold the ball up in possession a bit as well, which I think is really important because part of the problem we have at the moment is that we, we that we aren't getting players who are going to just slow the play down and allow the team to catch up with the ball um, to a certain extent. I feel as though with with Kvaric uh, Skelia, you're going to you're going to see a player who's going to be really direct and it's it's going to be about getting a few players forward at once. Um, and yeah, okay, we might lose the ball. We'll drop back, pick the ball up and, and, and go again. That's why we're in sort of transitional phases quite a lot at the moment. But I think it would be nice to have a player like Lang who you know can just hold on to the ball a little bit. Um, and uh, you, we, a lot of what we're doing at the moment, I think, is because we don't have any of those players. So it would be nice to add a few more players of that, of that kind of, um, of, with that kind of skill set as well. It's worth just saying that he technically he's transferring to Club Brugge this summer. He's he's on loan from Ajax, but they they will make it permanent this summer. But that's not to say that he he couldn't be bought because I mean that that just happened um, with RB Leipzig buying Sorloth from um, from Trabzonspor immediately after he signed from Crystal Palace but just worth pointing that out if in case people are questioning that yeah so he's on a loan to buy which probably will be uh, brought into effect uh, but yeah that that will probably depend on how much he wants to move uh, into and I, I suspect he probably would want to move into the Premier League uh, obviously because it's a bit of a, a bigger shot window I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Um, I'm aware that we are doing a question and answer session and we're two thirds of the way through and we haven't done any questions and answers. So um, let's move on quickly. We had lots of questions. Thanks for your questions. I've tried to group them somewhat. So I started off with general positional questions. So uh, just a quick fire question first from Loop, who says, can you rank the four positions in order of priority? That's the four positions that we looked at in this series. So um, that was a left back, a central midfielder who can also cover for Calvin Phillips, a central midfielder who can also, also be a bit more of an attacking threat and then um, the 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 right winger with a no left footed left right footed winger on the left. Um, so yeah, Josh, quick fire. Which what what ordering are you doing the priorities on these? 
left back first. Um, hard to call between the winger and the attacking midfielder. I'm gonna go winger, then attacking midfielder. And I'll put that. I put the other eight last, and that's because I believe in Adam Forshaw as <laughs> <laughs> as terribly high risk as that is. I, I believe and pray. Um, I'd probably go with left back first because we know that that's probably going to be the, the the area of the squad which is going to need to some. I mean, there isn't a a, a left back in the squad, really, is there? Um, so yeah, that's probably t- first priority. Um, then I'd I'd go with the um, the the eight slash six um, because I have less faith in Adam Forshaw given that <laughs> um, you know, I mean, it's that's nothing probably to do. The sense, it's probably the sense. <laughs> It's nothing to do with him. It's rather the fact that you don't play football for two years and then you're expected to come back and play an ultra-specific role at an even higher level, um, the, the highest level that he's ever played at, which he has with Middlesbrough. But I think that that's probably going to take its toll, um, unfortunately. Um, mm. So I'd probably put that one second. Then the, uh, the, the, the number eight, the more attacking eight, I think, because we've seen, obviously, this season, Tyler Roberts... I, I quite like how he's done, how he's played in the in recent weeks. Um, you know, he, he's the player who takes the ball from the defense to the attack, and I think sometimes people close their eyes and just go, "Oh, oh, look!" Now it's in the in the opposite opposite half, and who's done that? Um, but I, I quite like what he's done. I think we we, we should give him more of a chance. Um, whether that's there, whether you know, we got Rodrigo, who's also there, um, who can who can do that. Um, but then. I, 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 as much as what what we said on this episode and, and on the the previous one, I do think that you know Jack Harrison is is the likelihood is he's probably going to be bought permanently this summer. So it's it's one of those where you think, do you want to do you want to spend ten eleven million, which again wouldn't be very much um, in Premier League terms, on a player who you know you're going to replace immediately. Um, I mean. <laughs> If if anyone's got Victor Orta's number, then please let us know. But yeah, it's uh, it, I I can't see that that being the case. I, I can see that other positions would be um would be would need to be prioritised, and then you you're you're obviously getting towards the end of the transfer window when you work through your priorities. So yeah, it's um for me it would be left back first. Mm. A similar question from Neil Foote, who says, really enjoyed the series. Which positions would you prioritise if we can only sign one or two? I think we've covered that. But interesting addition to that, would you rather see a new left-back and Dallas in midfield or a new eight plus Dallas and left-back? Uh, Joe, how would you answer that one? Ooh, um, if you'd asked me this at the start of this series, I probably would have said uh, a, a new eight and Dallas at left-back. But I've been really, really impressed. I think he's, he's just Mr. Versatile. Like... It's just, I, I, I think he's arguably been apart from the first few games of the season with with Matthias Click, who was who was very good in those games. I think he's been the best player in that position we've had this season, um, in over the past six seven weeks. I, th- I don't think it's any coincidence that him and Roberts having some stability and, and continuity in the middle there has coincided with the best form of the season. You know, six games unbeaten. Obviously, he goes out to the right against Brighton. I'm not saying that that's the sole reason for 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 the feelings, but. I, I think that Dallas, I think he could definitely play eight for another season. Hmm. How about you, Josh? Yeah, I think I agree uh, with Joe, although I'm less, I'm maybe 
less high on Dallas just purely because I think it's I think it's broken our attacking a little bit. Um but it's not necessarily his fault. Like it's not through something that he's done or, or not done. It's just Click is is a much more um, capable sort of link player in in that midfield. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think there could be other ways to um, to get our um, attacking output up again with him still in there. So mm. and yeah, and I think a left back is is vital. Uh, I'm also enjoying that. By the way, is one of our own. Um, I was gonna, I was gonna mention that at some point. <laughs> one thing I would say about Dallas is, isn't it interesting how last season we hated seeing Dallas in central midfield and wanted to play him at, at left back, and this season I think it's the other way around. And uh, I think a lot of that comes down to the fact that when he was playing at left back in the Championship, he wasn't having to do a lot of. Um, build up play from the back and, and, and transition the ball because we were in the ascendancy in a lot of games whereas this time around we need a more defensive minded midfielder and, and he's made that big difference so I, I I think for me I would yeah I'd probably go with the centre midfielder first and then the left back second mainly because I think we need to have a left back who is going to be able to help us progress the ball uh, and we'll probably still need Dallas to do a bit of a, a plugging job in the centre midfield spaces as well um one final question in the sort of general positions area from Brian Williams. I know that a lot of people have been interested in this question, but he says, are there, are there any under 23s who could fill some of the roles needed? Um, Josh, how would you go about answering that? Because there's a lot of people out there who, who think, you know, it's all well and good looking to the transfer um, market to, to solve problems, but we've got an academy for a reason. So who do you see uh, out of the potential players who could come up from the academy who could help us out in terms of the positions that we've been looking at? It's interesting because obviously Huggins has has made his debut already in the Premier League, um, but I have little to no expectation that he will get real minutes uh, next season. I think if we sign a left back, which I think we we definitely are going to sign a left back, then they will play the majority of the time, and Stuart Dallas will play there as and when. He's needed, so I don't expect to see Huggins in there. Um, I think it's not a player, it's not a position that we've spoken about in in this um, series, but because there's no reason to. Um, but I think Cody Drame could could get a could get a couple of games, short appearances, um, perhaps at, at right back. I think he's got a really high potential and I think he's um like he's physically he looks he looks like a man already and I think maybe you wouldn't say that out of all of our um all of our under 23s at the moment I don't see Jack Jenkins as an answer in in midfield uh, at the moment as much as I think he's a really nice tidy player who I have I have high hopes for in terms of his career but I don't think he's going to fit either of those midfield roles that we've talked about he looked very out of place uh, against Crawley uh, I, I felt for him actually I, I thought he I thought he was a bit thrown to the wolves uh, there um maybe one of one of uh, Gelhart or, or Greenwood could play some minutes in that attacking midfield role I I don't think we'll see that with Greenwood I think 
I think Gelhart could have a chance. Uh, I, I would love to see it, but equally I'd caveat all of this by saying that I don't think Bielsa trusts the under-23s in the way that some people perhaps think that he does. That That's my own feeling. And the other one to mention is Somerville. Um, we've obviously talked a lot about wingers um, and a lot of people are crying for Somerville because he's really exciting to watch, like great dribbler um, and he's had good impact on 23's games recently. But I, I would be pretty concerned about his physicality in the Premier League. Um, I think if you think Ian Pervader gets knocked off the ball, then I, I think we would see Somerville getting ragdolled all over the place. Um, and my honest feeling is that I think Somerville's future is back in Holland. But um, yeah, I think he's he's very good. But I, I'm just I'm not sure if he's going to be a Premier League player. But you clearly saw the um, the, the penalty spot that they had on Monday. Then him and Greenwood, <laughs> didn't you? You're like, right, that's it. Get him get him shipped back off. That's it. I actually, no, I actually haven't seen that, but I have I did hear about that, but I haven't seen it. It was all very very tame. I swear there's been a penalty spat over every penalty that the under 20 Normally because it's Tyler Roberts bullying under 23s players. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was I think there was a, there was a Roberts and Greenwood one uh, and the they, they called rank and gave it to Roberts but this one was um Charlie Cresswell said actually after the game he went um well I knew that Sam was going for top goal scorer uh, so I said listen Cree give Sam the, the penalty and I just had to grab the ball off him uh, and <laughs> the, the fact he, he was he was still standing around um, while Sam Greenwood was trying to take the penalty. So the referee just went, right, you're getting booked. So he booked him. And then Somerville sort of rolls the ball under his foot, kind of very nonchalantly to just to knock it off the spot. And you're thinking, this is this is kids stuff. And then you remember they are Sorry, actually player. kids. So yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, it was it was all a bit it was all a bit funny. Um but I think to, to answer the same question, I, I I like that you brought up uh, Cody Drama first because physically I think he's probably about I mean it's always difficult to tell but six to 12 months away from being able to to deputize um he is I mean consistently one of the best players when they play in the 23s um physically he's dominant over a lot of the players he, he goes up against one-on-ones um and I think I mean I, I say I think I, I we all know that he has the same capability to to, to motor on and motor up the pitch, whether that's down the wing um, or or inside, I think he's better coming inside, much like Ailing, um, than than being hemmed in down the, down the wing. Um, so I think, yeah, in, in terms of right back, I'd be quite quite optimistic about Drama maybe playing a few minutes next season. Um, but I think a year, another year of twenty threes football would be good for him because I think he's still only still only eighteen, um, and yeah, I think after that he could be. He could be potentially pushing depending on what what happens with Ailing. um but mm. yeah the, the Gelhart Greenwood debate I I always I feel I always feel bad because I'm pouring cold water on it but the step up from PL2 Division 2 to the actual Premier League is 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 immense um I've been impressed with both of them massively but the the step up is huge and it wouldn't be right to say uh they can or they can't because until they get tested until they get tried either as a deputy to Bamford or playing in that eight slash 10, which Greenwood has predominantly played in as opposed to Gelhart. Um, I think there's, 
the next test for them is is the, the upper level of PL2 because then you come up against Man United, Man City, Liverpool, Chelsea, you know, the best of the best, the creme de la creme, who for years have been able to to pluck players from from wherever in the UK and, and abroad and put them in the, the 23. So I'd, I'd probably say with caution, um, I, I quite like Drama's chances, perhaps in about six to eight months' time of maybe playing a little bit more regularly. Mm. We've got plenty more questions to go and I, I'm seeing lots of questions in the chat. Um, sorry for not getting to those questions. We we have got a, a list of questions I'm trying to work my way through. Um, let's move on to some individual positions and let's try and keep it shortish so that we can get through as many as possible. Um, Andrew Smith says, um, I wondered if you guys had considered the centre forward position. If Bamford gets injured, we're in trouble, aren't we? And I, I think we've We've sort of semi-touched on it in terms of talking about players like Cody Kakpo, who can play as as a as a as a forward. I guess Noah Long as well. You would throw in there into that group. I think that would be the way that we would go about it. Like the best way of of, of building the squad is is to get those players who have that uh, ability to to play play multiple positions. Um, but yeah, I'll throw this over to to you, Joe. Any any other thoughts on on strikers? Would you would you just be happy going that that route that we talked about of like playing players like Hakpo and, and Lang to to just get that that double coverage, as it were? Yeah, I think that's the only feasible way to do this at the moment because you know Patrick Bamford scored fourteen goals, he's got seven assists. Yeah, he's going through a bit of a drought at the moment, but you you can't realistically replace that type of player, especially when they're so integral to the, the team dynamic as well. Everything that he does off the ball, you know, if he was a, if he was a, a pure, a Mauro Icardi type who just didn't do anything unless it was inside the 18 yard box, then yeah, potentially you could say, yeah, we need somebody who's going to be more involved in build up. But I think Bamford's influence is, has been massive this season. Um, and if you, the problem is Bielsa, I said this yesterday as well, Bielsa doesn't like anybody kicking their heels around the training ground, knowing that they're not going to play. So, why would you spend upwards of 20 million as it probably would be at the very least on a striker who knows that they're going to be playing second fiddle to, to Bamford. So the likelihood is that you'd have to go with somebody who can play another position primarily and as a secondary sort of position, they, they could be the deputy to Bamford. I'm going to move on to the next question just so we can get through a few of these quick fire. Um, Edward Atterton says, great series, goalkeepers, if we can offload Casilla, who is a possible replacement, any chance that Bielsa thinks Caprila is up to the job of number two? Uh, Josh, you've watched a lot of the under-23s this season. I, I'm guessing you're going to say probably not, but um, what's your take on the goalkeeper situation? Yeah, I think um, I would want I would want probably an, an experienced backup uh, to come in. Um but that's hard to find the the right kind of player, and I don't have the answer to this one in terms of who who is the actual player that I want. Um, I would need to dig into that a little bit more. But yeah, I, I would say that um, I would say that I, I'm not I'm not thinking that Caprile is um, is the one. Yeah, and. Uh... Thomas Wilson, who has already been in touch, the the guy who runs Focus on Leeds, which you should check out. It's a brilliant outlet. Um, he talks about wingers and he says, when looking at wingers, do you think their defensive stats are massively important? And this is something that I think for me is quite important. I've, whenever I'm looking at wingers, I'm always interested in seeing what their pressing numbers are with the caveat that, um, you know, there are... Um, team effects that are in place so a lot of a lot of wide players will be in situations where um they're playing in teams who aren't um aren't able to re or aren't encouraging them to to press high so you you sort of have to look through their historical data and then you have to do eye test stuff on them as well in terms of trying to work out how 
uh, commensurable they would be in a team like Leeds that that they have to um, that, that where they have to you know do that tracking back. Joe mentioned the goal that Leeds gave away against Liverpool, where where Jack Harrison was caught. I think on a couple of occasions in quite quick succession uh, by by um, Trent Alexander Arnold dropping in uh, behind the the, um, the 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 wide play and Jack Harrison. Um, either of you two want to add anything on that in terms of in terms of the pressing aspects of of wingers. I think it's hard to um it's hard to try and quantify it um particularly if if their players some of these players that we've looked at where um we maybe we don't have easily available pressing data like like we have with some of these players that we can look on FB ref for or something like that so basically just the players in the top 5 leagues or players that have played in in the European uh, the continental competitions, um, even with those players, it's it's so much about what you see. Like, does does the player look um, like they've got the physical attributes to press, and do they look like they've sort of got the intensity to their game that they could do that? Because what we always have to bear in mind is what system do they play in. So that there might be players that are really capable of of being great pressers, um, but they're playing in a team where they're told sit in a block and, and so they're not going to press. Um, so I think sometimes it's, it's about, um, it's about sort of trying to make your best educated guess uh, on that. I mean, that's the truth of all scouting, I guess, mm. but I think pressing is, is one of the, more difficult areas, I think, to to really confidently guess. Hmm. Um, if I was a better host, I would have moved this question slightly further up when we were talking about strikers. But Kevin Flannery says, do you think we've seen the end of Rodrigo at, uh, in the eighth spot, allowing him to concentrate on the centre-forward role? Let's keep this one short. I don't think you or I, Josh, are particularly positive about Rodrigo as a nine in this system. Um, I, I think I like him more um, in the attacking midfield role actually I like him receiving the ball just just over halfway and being able to sort of spin players and then play the ball forwards that's what I wanted when he came on at Brighton I was shocked when he came on at at nine how about you Joe I mean yeah he barely had a kick really didn't he against Brighton I think it was one of those where he thought I mean a lot of people did think he was you know Spain's number nine as he was dubbed um coming into to play the number nine but I think it's become quite clear that that's that's not the case and like Josh I prefer him as an eight slash ten I think one of the things that always made him very good at Valencia was that he was creative and he always had some, uh, uh, somebody else to play off uh, like a Maxi Gomez type player Kevin Gamero those types of players um, who were more notorious goal getters um, whereas yeah Rodrigo I think okay, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm holding I'm holding my 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 powder on on Rodrigo until he's been given a full preseason until he's up to speed until he's not playing catch up because of COVID and whatnot. Um, I I think there's obviously a fantastic player in there, but it's just about getting the opportunity to show it. And unfortunately, injuries and and whatnot have have meant that that's not been the case. So yeah, I'd, I, if I, if we're going to see more of him, I think it'll definitely be in the eight slash ten. Um. Moving on to sort of transfer transfer business more properly. So Richard Lang um, 
no relation to Noah, I, I don't believe. But <laughs> he says you've gone for Perot, Sumare, Buendia, and Kent. Has anything changed in the last couple of months to change this plan? And how realistic do we believe it will be to land any slash all of these players? Now, I think it would be very unlikely that we would land all of these players. But I guess the, the beauty of Orta's list is that these would be the priority players. So you'd have a shortlist of a few players and you'd work your way down the shortlist. Um, and you will have a priority position where you'll try and get the, the top player. Uh, and, and then obviously you'll fill everything um, beneath that. I think one of the things that um, both Josh and I have learned working in the industry is that it's a, it's a real, you know, it's a real throw things at um, at a wall and see what sticks approach to uh, when it comes to transfer business. There's so many moving parts. There's so much that can potentially go wrong. Um, there's 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 so many people who you have to satisfy. Like the club has to be satisfied. The 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 manager has to be satisfied. The player themselves has to be satisfied. The agent has to be satisfied. So I think there's a lot a lot going going on in any of these sorts of transfer negotiations. So I do think that um, it would be very unlikely that you know Leeds would would end up getting all all four of these players but also all four of players of this sort of caliber in those positions it will be a case where we'll get a couple of good ones and then and then there'll be maybe um a couple of players who who maybe wouldn't be the ideal um uh, options as well um i don't know if either of you wanted to add anything on that i think our our chances of getting buendia are slim to none and uh I think Samare <laughs> Samare is not happening either. But um, yeah, going to I think I think prim, right? I think I if we were to do this again, I would read. I would redo episode two. I think. I think I would try to come up with a, a different list for that particular one, um, where we could maybe look at some different players. So I think if he came out top of that, um perhaps we we could have had some different options there um yeah i i think i mean i i wouldn't be surprised if we if we signed because i think we've we've been linked quite heavily uh but and i think we are going to go for kent based on what the things that i've heard so far but i think that's probably going to be met with a sorry no so then it's what happens from there. And I think the fact that we've heard these other wingers being mentioned recently suggests that the club are, are spreading their options already, as, as we know they would. Jack Palmer says, for the left-back in eight positions, you identified a player in each position from both RZ and Brest. Do you think we'd have any issues acquiring two key, key players from the same club? I'll throw this one over to you, Joe. What do you think about the, the possibility of getting two players from the same club? Um, well, I mean, it's, buy one, get one free deal would be great on Roman Perot and Roman Favre, <laughs> wouldn't it? But it depends which one you're paying for. Um, <laughs> I think it's, it, it would complicate it, I think. I think, again, what you were saying, John, on, on transfers, it's a case-by-case basis because it's not as if all you're doing is agreeing a fee with uh, with Stad Brest or, or AZ. You know, it, you have to appease the, the you know, the, the representatives of both these players. And I think... <sighs> Yeah, you. It would be. I think it would be. Dif- I think it would be unlikely. I don't think it would be necessarily difficult if they. If you decided that they were the two players across the entirety of the footballing world, which were best suited to adding something to your team, and they just so happened to play at the same team, um, then I don't think you'd have too many issues going going after them both. But um, I think if you were trying to to arrange some sort of package deal, then um, you'd probably. I think you'd probably have to pay over the odds, um, at least on the second one. 
because you know you can't it's it, it essentially is just financial flexing when when you do that um so i think with, with breast you know you look at the cash crisis that france uh that the french football scene is having so potentially um the i can't remember the the, the sporting director's name i think he's gregory something um very french name um who said something about uh the fact that uh, was it Roma Favre? They probably would accept something in the region of fifteen to twenty million, um, which led me to believe that you know obviously if Roman Perot were to come to Leeds, it wouldn't be any more than that because obviously you know midfielders and forwards tend to cost more. But um, yeah, I think it probably will be a bit unlikely. Hmm. Yeah, last two questions then, and. Both of these looking forward questions. We had a long question from Dan Holdsworth. Um, Dan likes to write these long hypothetical questions, which I always enjoy, uh, but we probably don't have time to go through it in detail. But he is, he's talking about the midfield positions and there will be potentially five or six players fighting for one spot in the in the attacking midfield role. And he, he wants to know about who you have to get rid of because you can't end up with a bloated squad if you end up with all of the players that we're looking for. So I'll make this a more general question about departures. Um, I'll start with you, Josh. Who are the sorts of players that you think Leeds need to be thinking about moving on? Um, I think the obvious ones are um, out of the regulars. Is I think we know that Alioski is likely to go. I think that um, we're probably all expecting Berardi and Pablo to go they're not really contributing um as sad as that might be um and then from there I think I think Costa is uh, certainly if we get, if we do get another winger I think Costa would would go um alternatively you could loan Paveda out to give him more more minutes in the championship or or something like that and then keep Costa a winger, I think, would go. And I think Jamie Shackleton is probably considering what he wants. Uh, that would make me really sad because I, I really um, love Shackleton. And I think uh, I've always felt he could offer a lot uh, to us. But for whatever reason, it hasn't quite worked for him. He always gets injured whenever he gets in the team. Um, he might want to go. Uh, to somewhere where he can play a lot, so I think that's the the additional outgoing that I might expect. Mm. Joe, would you add anyone to that? Um, I, I'd probably add Casilla to that. Uh, I know that he has a contract till twenty twenty three, but I mean, if you just add an S to the end of his name and sell him as a Spanish goalkeeper, then <laughs> you know, if you if if there's a sporting director across Europe with who's a bit sloppy with the details, you know, Kiko and Iker's accounts sound kind of similar, so. Um, but no, I think you look at the the outgoings and you've got to say, well, Alioski's likely because obviously that contract is on the table. He hasn't accepted. He hasn't indicated that he would be staying or leaving. So it's kind of up in the air um, stage. Um, I think as hard as it is to accept, of, of course, you know, Pablo hasn't really had any impact, especially in 2021. Um, you know, a few cameos off the bench, um, his own personal situation. I think Berardi with his contract expiring, it's as, as sentimental as, as it would be, you'd be very very hard pushed to see a, a Premier League club um, give a contract essentially to to a player for two years who's not actually going to play any football um, and yeah Casilla, Pablo, Berardi um, and Alioski probably are, are the likely ones um, Casilla might be more difficult to shift but um, yeah I think they're probably the ones that you're looking at. Big wages 
Yeah. Right. So the final question then from MOT tweets, um, just about where we would end up with with all of these players that we've we've talked about. So if we do sign all the players you mentioned, or at least in the four positions you've mentioned, then where do you think we finish next season? A similar season to the one we've just had, or a little better and maybe greater emphasis on a cup run if we can? Joe, what do you make of that? I think when you have a bigger squad, it's a lot easier to have a cup run. You know, it's no coincidence that we see Manchester City competing on three fronts and they're able to field two separate two hundred million pound lineups um, every week. Um, you know, this, when you have a bigger squad, you're able to do that. Um, I think the fact that Leeds under Bielsa have been so woeful in cup competitions is that it's you know you're having to put in a fair amount of under twenty threes or a fair amount of players who haven't played very much. Um, I think. Sorry, could you repeat the the original question, John? I've completely blanked there. Yeah, it's just about where where you think if oh where to finish all position where do you finish yeah yeah um I think it'd be it'd be realistic to sort of expect the same sort of in and around the same area you know we we, we could finish twelfth we could finish ninth this season I think that would probably be that that ballpark would be a reasonable expectation I think for next season even with the additions because it's as Bielsa has always said it's evolution not revolution so you can't expect monumental change every every single year. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I think um, I think there's a bit of a misguided um, expectation that if we get these positions that we need, that suddenly we're catapulted into the top six. I don't think um, things work as simply as that. Ask ask Wolves how um, how that goes when they've upgraded their team. Every, every year since coming into the Premier League and they've sort of plateaued. Um, it's hard to, to move forwards and you need a bit of luck and you need to not have your star striker get injured for the whole season and think all of that kind of stuff. We It's hard to predict, but I think, I think we would finish maybe a bit more comfortably in the kind of position that we're already in, a bit more um, convincingly. Uh, in that kind of position and then you're in another summer where you can think now can we look to climb up a little bit yeah I think the one thing I would add to to that is that we are now playing a style of football that I don't think is ideal and I don't think anyone at the club wants us to be playing in the way that we are and I think bringing in four players will allow us to play a different way but we'll have to develop that style again and it will take a pre-season it will take probably six months of, of Premier League football for us to to pick up that style again that, that we also wants to be playing that ideal style uh, and so I think it's just quite unlikely that we are just going to hit the floor running um, at the beginning of next season I think it, it's going to be very much a transitional season where we start trying to implement some of those ideas that we saw uh, being played in the championship which we tried to play at the beginning of this season but decided that we were giving up way too many good chances to the opposition. So we decided not to do it. So, yeah, I think the I'm, I'm of the same opinion. I think we should be looking to finish mid table, but finish there a lot more comfortably. Uh, I think we've, we've had pretty good variance this season. I think we've, we've pretty much won most of the games you would expect us to win. Uh, there's not been many games where we've been unlucky. There's been a couple here and there, maybe the Wolves games, but uh, I think there's probably been slightly more games where, where we've been the recipients of luck. So I think, you, you sort of accept that the same thing could happen the other way around next season, um, but we'll be probably playing a high level of football. So I, th- I think that's that's what we should be aiming for. Nice football and, and a mid-table finish. Um, 
let's call it a day there. It's been a great pleasure to talk to you both, as always. Um, it was good fun to talk about those three players at the beginning. And um, there's certainly going to be a really fun summer coming up with some, uh, if, if names of those sorts of uh, quality are going to be the ones that are banded around. Um, Joe, thank you so much for coming on this series. No doubt we'll have you on again in the future um, if we carry on doing these a little bit more sporadically. Uh, but thanks so much for coming on. Uh, anything you want to push, feel free to push Scouted stuff. Feel free to push Leeds Live stuff. No, nothing really. Just um, if, if you've sort of enjoyed this, the, these sorts of um, these sorts of live streams, then then consider supporting the, the guys over at All Stats, aren't we? Because you know the stuff they put out is fantastic. It's kind of been, it's regularly one of the the ports of call that I'll I'll, I'll go to if I want to if I want to get a bit of um, a bit of insight, a bit of level headedness sometimes, which I think is needed amongst everybody who watches Leeds at times. I think myself included. Um, so yeah, it's um, it's been a pleasure to be on. Thank you for inviting me, and I'd be delighted to do anything like this again. And again, I, I push the scouted football stuff, but your podcast is very similar to this in, in tone and to this kind of approach. So looking at players, particularly young players, and trying to work out their their career trajectories as well. So if players, if if any of the listeners do want to check out the the scouted football podcast in particular, where where should they go? Um, on any major podcast app, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, um, you know all the, the the usual places. Just search um, "Scouted Football Podcast" and it'll it'll be there. Um, and there's there's around sixty episodes on there, which hopefully the most I mean, I mean probably the ones from this season won't be out of date. Um, they're they're all on sort of specific clubs and specific stories and 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 specific regions about about scouting players and, and who's excitable from from certain areas. But yeah, thank you, thanks, John. The uh, uh, the recent episodes um, have some really great adverts as well that you should <laughs> you should check out. Yeah, let's just leave that to the listeners' imaginations. <laughs> <laughs> um, Josh, it's been great to have you on as well. Do you want to talk a little bit about five yards before we close? Yeah, just um, if if uh, you've enjoyed uh, these players uh, that we've talked about, maybe you you know them a little bit and you. Uh, want to get involved um head over to to five yards you can you can write scout reports yourselves um or you can buy those players and join in see how their uh their value rises be rewarded as they perform with performance pay and so on um yeah it'd be be great if you if you do that and if you do want to check that out go to the website fiveyards.link forward slash ASAW uh, and, and see what's going on over there. But I think this is it for Victor, 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 Alter's list. <laughs> I came up with a name, didn't I? I can't even remember it. Uh, but it's been great, great fun. Hope you guys have enjoyed it as much as me. Uh, and that's it from us. Um, but we'll be back with other things. Do check out our, our Twitter page and there'll be stuff going up there all the time. We, tr we may try and make these a sort of monthly thing um, and, and just sort of do a roundup of everything that's going on. So keep an eye on our Twitter page to see any news of that. But uh, with that, let's get to the end of this, this series. And I'll say thank you to you both um, and goodbye to everyone who's been listening. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 